The Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris. Joining me once again through the Anchor app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. And we'll just start right into it. There's some food news that I have this week. And some of it's already out of date in just a little bit of time that we've been not recording. So first up is from comicbook.com. Mountain Dew has fans excited after filing new pitch black trademark. What? It says on June 22nd, PepsiCo filed two new trademarks for the drink, leading some to believe the company intends to use the brand name in upcoming business. It says the grape flavored nectar was released as a limited time offering in 2004 to celebrate Halloween. The next year, do change the flavor for a pitch black too. Some locations across the United States carried the soda between 2011 and 2019, largely available as a fountain drink. It's been discontinued for 2020, effectively removing the flavor from all domestic markets. The citrus-based alternative of pitch black is still being sold in Singapore and Malaysia. So, I, I don't remember the pitch black, but... I do. Great. I like grape. I would. I don't know it if was, it'd be any good or not, but... It was a grape-flavored soda. That's what it was. It was... If you took it and poured it out in a glass, it was a very dark grape color. Yeah. That's the name pitch black. Yep. But from there, we have... A news story from Taco Bell that's come and gone. It's from mash.com. Taco Bell's new cheese it tostada is already gone. What? Although Taco Bell might be known for its Baja Blast, Quesaritos, and Mexican pizza, the fast food chain usually has other creations up its sleeve. Recently, Taco Bell released a new extra cheesy and crunchy product, the Giant Cheese It Tostada. If you've ever wanted to eat Taco Bell's meat, cheese, and tomatoes, lettuce, and sour cream on an enormous cheese it, this was your chance. The catch, this was only available in Irvine, California. And Why they would they want to do something like that? Well, partly it's to, to test it and see how it does. If it's a huge flop, you test one market and don't test anywhere else because it's flopped. But oh. by the same token, the tests don't always adequately represent the United States because just for an instance, sweet tea. You go north, they don't make sweet tea, they don't sell sweet tea, but in the south, you can barely find unsweetened tea. So, if you would market that, you're going to be very off in the south to the north. So, that's that's the one drawback to these test items. But I can also see the point. If it's not going to sell, then it's not going to sell. But you might be able to sell it in another market. The only place when I lived in Ohio, Chris, that had sweet tea that I could find it was McDonald's. That's it. Yeah. Well, McDonald's actually does advertise their sweet tea too, so I I think that might be a nationwide. But and I think there were some places in New York City 
It had the fountain, bag in the box, syrup for tea. Mm-hmm. It was sweetened. But it was also flavored like raspberry or whatever. So I had a hard time in New York City finding something to drink because all I drink is sweet tea when I go out. Whether flavored or regular, it's got to be tea and it's got to be sweet. But, but I would definitely try the, the cheese it Tostada. I hope it becomes a thing because I do like Cheez-Its a lot. Now, does it have meat on it, Chris? This does, but any Taco Bell item, you can change the meat to beans. So, I mean, it's instantly vegetarian at Taco Bell if you get people in Taco Bell that actually understand what you're saying. But that's all the food I had this week. Did you have anything? Come across anything? I'm going to lose the microphone for a second, but I'm going to check my screenshots because I think I might have did something. So temporarily, I will be lost for a second, but I will come back. Just hold on. Okay, well, while he's doing that, I'm going to say what we've got coming up. Of course, I picked The Bad Guys, the new animated film, and Paul picked Shit's Creek. We will be reviewing those in the second half of the show. And hope everybody stays tuned to listen to those because... We'll have some fun insights on that, but Paul is still looking for everything over there on his end. So I can just keep flapping my gums like always. There we go. Um, He's back. Okay, I'm back. It was an actual, um, wasn't really a food news article. Local celebrity John Reap is now a spokesperson for Mountain Dew. Yeah, that means absolutely nothing to me, but. Do you know who John Reap is? No. Oh, he's played in many shows, um, but he is now, he was living in California, but look him up. He's played in many, many shows. J-O-N Reap. And now he's a special spokesperson for Mountain Dew. No, Sundrop, excuse me. Uh, Yeah, I don't know him. So Movies, Movies and TV shows he's been in, John Reap, Metro with Jethro, Brad Paisley's Comedy Rodeo, uh, Harold and Kumar, which would explain why I don't know him, Into the Storm, which I thought was a terrible film, American Dad, which you'd only hear his voice, so I wouldn't know him from that. Yeah, there's nothing on here that I would know him from. Not a thing. Anyways, he's living back in Hickory now, so... And it says, born March 26, 1972, Hickory, North Carolina. Yep. Local boy makes good. But the other thing I found was, this was an article on NPR, and it's just a fun article, so I was like, you know what, let's share that, because it's fun. It's rubber ducky watches that don't tell time clock in TikTok views. Okay. Reads, Kevin Bertolero has a disdain for time. Quote, how many times do you look at a clock or look at time and are happy? Well, honestly, let me stop there because when I look at the time and it's time to leave work, I am very happy, ecstatic even. (laughs) So, yeah, it's like at least three times a week that I'm very happy when I look at the clock. So... He said, 
That's one of the reasons the 30-year-old has been making watches that don't tell time. They're meant to be worn like a traditional watch, except you won't see a clock face when checking your wrist. Instead, you'll feel a tiny 3D printed pool with magnetic duckies and bubbles. After leaving a stressful job at a plant-based yogurt startup, Bertolero wanted to engage with his, quote, child self. He was using all sorts of strategies to work through childhood trauma at the time. I think all of us are low-key traumatized. You can't not be living in modern society to some degree. He said when people's traumas flare up, they use shopping, socializing, or community involvement to mitigate discomfort. And he found another option, cute things. The idea for watches that don't tell time came to him in a, quote, state of semi-sleep. A watch that's sleek like an Apple Watch, but fun and interactive like Legos. And like I said, it's, they're magnetic, so you can move the ducky around. And I guess you could probably buy more pieces to it. But you know what this kind of reminds me of? What? Those what is it, Tamagotchis or Yamagotchis or whatever it is, those virtual pets that you had? Except these are like little miniature toys. They're not a digital display. Yeah, I get that. That makes so, me want to go to go to, to, go to um, TikTok and see if I can't find that. Yeah. While we're on, people at home will have to look for themselves, but can you see it on there? Oh, I see it. It looks kind of weird. Almost like a shadow box watch. But yeah, it's... it's it looks very bulky. Those colors, if you ask me, the yellow and blue. Yeah, it looks very bulky. So... But anyways, I like I said, I just I thought it was a fun article, so I decided I'd share it, because it's fun! And for those who want it, I think they're on Etsy. You can look it up. But I don't really have, like, most of my articles this week are unfortunately passings. But I do have a few entertainment articles here that I want to talk about. First up, I got a bunch of Stranger Things news this week. I saw where their season four hit a billion views. Yep. The biggest stream show in the history of Netflix. And they've got another song climbing the charts thanks to being in Stranger Things. What's that? Metallica's Master of Puppets. Features very prominently in the finale and it is climbing the charts. Which again proves my theory. Today's music is so bad. We got to go back almost 40 years to get a hit. Hey, Metallica is awesome. Is an awesome group. And you know what? I heard on 80s on 8, um, one of the DJs was getting ready to sign off. Is like um, Paul Hunter from um, MTV. He goes, don't hate me, but I'm getting ready to play it. He said, I'm signing off and and um and uh what you call it? Oh god, I forgot her name. I forgot her name. She said he's she's signing in and here we go. Is that uh, moving keeping up that hill or whatever it is? Um running up that hill. Running up that hill started playing it. He said, Don't hate me, but here it is. <laughs> Which for those that haven't read up on that, the actual song title was Deal with God. Because 
if you listen to the song, she says, if I only could, I'd make a deal with God and I'd get him to swap our places. Yeah. And that was the actual title of the song. Well, some executive decided that might be a controversial title, keeping them from getting airplay, getting hate and all of that. So they renamed it Running Up That Hill, subtitled Deal With God. And now she's making millions. Yeah, and making more money than she ever did off of that song. Just think and, of, it was the number one digital download for weeks on Apple. Yep. And and I freely admit it, I was never a big Kate Bush fan, but that one I really did like. I always did. And I'm glad people are getting it right now because, you know, one, it's a good song. She deserves to make some money from it. And two, it's a good song. People should be listening to it. It is a good song. And I gotta, I gotta admit, I've, whether I heard it or not, I can't remember. Because I was just a kid in the 80s. It's like, you know, I turned 10 years old in 82. Don't so, give so me I that nonsense. You're older than me and I remember it. I don't remember, Chris, because I, I didn't start listening to popular music music until 1982, and that's whenever Thriller came out. Okay. I was country music. This was 1986, I know and 1986, it wasn't pop music. Was, it was new wave, probably, at that I was, point in time. I, but wasn't it would... listen, I wasn't listening to that. I was listening to Boy George and Cyndi Lauper. I was, Which I Boy listening. George would be new wave. Not my bookie was Absolutely. They did make it on the pop charts, but Culture Club was most definitely New Wave group. But anyways, I don't remember hearing that song. I don't. Yeah. That's my thing is, it's not because you weren't old enough. You were most definitely old enough in, in the spectrum. It's you were listening to a different style, and she was more of an underground type. She reminds me of um, um, what you call her in the what you call her in the Banshees, um, Susie, Susie and the Banshees. That's what it kind of reminds me of is that type of music. And I love me some Susie Sue now. Let me tell you, oh, I love me some Susie too. Yeah. So, but but anyways, the the news with Stranger Things first up. Is popsugar.com gives us this article. This is your sign to visit Netflix's Stranger Things experience. There are three locations. I believe it was Los Angeles. I know it's New York City and London. Oh, San Francisco was the other one. San Francisco, New York City, and London. And it says at both the San Francisco and New York locations, the experience began with a check-in at Hawkins Lab where an unsettling group read they did not blink of researchers in white coats asked us about our worst nightmares as part of a sleep study they were conducting we were immediately hooked like 11 siblings we were guided through the lab where things instantly took a turn for the worse bites malfunctioned spiders emerged from shadowy corners and tension mounted as we realized we were quickly being surrounded by a pack of hungry demodogs so we did what any stranger things fans would do and trapped into and tapped into our supernatural abilities to help Max, Eleven, and the rest of the crew take on the Demogorgons in the Upside Down. So, I would enjoy this very much. 
you're you're bl- you're out. Your your screen's blank again. But I mean, I I would in love- Georgia. The Stranger Things house is actually in Georgia, and it's a real house that someone lives in. I saw it on TikTok, and they they have it. Um, they're like playing up the Stranger Things um, with it, with green smoke coming out of the top of the house, and the whole house is lit up really creepy at night. So, um, I don't know. So someone's actually living in it. I'm I'm glad this show is finally hitting the success that it should have been hitting all along. I mean, it's always been extremely popular, but finally, people from all walks of life are catching on to this show and seeing how really damn good it is. And I again, I was there from the start. I didn't jump on the bandwagon. I was the bandwagon. Just, well, I've yet to see one episode. Well, you are missing out, Pally. I'm telling you. Well, I'm just now starting Scream Queens. No, what is it? What are we watching? Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. So quickly you forget the the show you picked to watch. Everybody out there in podcast land can tell where Paul's priorities are. Well, I do have a life outside this podcast. Now, why would you go and do something like that? Oh, no. But yeah, and typically when things get really huge like this before I watch them, I end up not liking them. Like, for instance, Jurassic Park, which is why I've still not watched Titanic, by the way. Oh, by the way, I did go see Jurassic World this weekend and I'll review it for you. Oh, yippee. But but no, and I, I know I've said on the show that I've watched Jurassic Park, which is true. But when I say that it got hugely popular before I saw it, I mean, it was probably a month or two into the run of the theaters before I actually got the time to go see it. And when I saw it, I was like, this, this is what everybody's so thrilled about. It it did nothing to me. It's dinosaurs on the big screen and they looked real. That's why everybody fell in love with it. You know, I saw this movie. I saw um, Jurassic Park at um, the t- at the um, the Crown Cinema. That's where I saw that. No, the but the Stranger Things experience. It is you can go to their official website, and it says vote to make your city a a city for the experience. And I think Atlanta and Miami was as close as it hit. There's not even Charlotte on there. So. But our other big news, and this one, there's a lot in this one article because it's the Duffer Brothers. They have five projects set up at Netflix. And they have a stage play coming but this is from The Hollywood Reporter. Stranger Things spinoff and stage play. Stephen King's The Talisman up next for Duffer Brothers at Netflix. Duffer Brothers have created upside down pictures for their production company. And let's let me get to the heart of the matter here. It says 
Stranger Things creator Matt and, Matt and Ross Duffer have unveiled plans for a spinoff series of their blockbuster hit for the streamer. The project, details of which are being kept under wraps, is but one of five projects siblings have unveiled as part of their nine-figure overall deal for Netflix. Other projects include a new stage play set within the world of Stranger Things, as well as a series adaptation of Stephen King and Peter Straub's The Talisman, and a live-action take of anime show Death Note. The fifth project in the slate is an original series from Dark Crystal Age of Resistance duo Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews. So let me just tell you, I'm already sold on the spinoff series. Don't know who it is, what it's going to be, but I'm already there. You get Stephen King adaptation, yeah, I'm going to want to watch it. And with it being the Duffer Brothers, and this is why I say you need to watch it. I know I've told you before, but this is why you, especially, Paul, need to watch The Stranger Things. You are a fan of 80s horror films. When you watch Stranger Things, it literally is done so well that it's like you are actually watching a movie or TV show made in the 80s. Really? I didn't know that. The music, the decor, the fashions, just everything about it screams 80s. Well, see, no one's ever told me this. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have told you and you just didn't pay any attention. Well, I don't ever hardly pay you attention. (laughs) Well, see, if you would, you would learn things and you'd be much better off. Okay. And you'd be much happier with the entertainment choices. But yeah, the, you're you're such a dork. Well, tell me, tell me, I pick bad stuff all the time. Well, you have picked a doozy here once in a while. Yeah, and I've I've admitted to those, but some of them are because they're brand new and they look appealing, and I, it's new, so I want to review something new. Which I've already picked mine for next week. Just so you know. Of course, you have. But. The, the other thing is, I tend to pick good stuff. And some of my stuff gets really popular, some of it doesn't, and some of it builds over time. Like, I'm telling you, the Doom Patrol on HBO, it is one of the best television series made in the last 20 years. Quit that. You're making too much noise. I was about paper towel. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. But anyways, Doom Patrol is one of the best shows made in the last 20 years. And if people start catching on to it, I think they will like it too. Because it is just so outrageous. It is a superhero show that's not really a superhero show. And I'm waiting for the new season to start. I don't know when it's going to be, but I can't wait for it. They've had living butts they've had sex ghosts they've had a sentient street i mean this there's nothing off limits to doom patrol and you could never imagine the things they put into that thing so i'm telling you it's it's fantastic and i highly recommend it to everybody have you have you been watching the new season of the boys no, I 
I've not gotten past the first episode of season two. Well, you will shit in your pants when you see the first episode. That's all I'm saying. I've I've heard that it's really over the top and oh my god, the octopus thing and all that, and it just it, the first season didn't really thrill me, and I've not had a lot of interest to get back into the second, so I'm way behind on it. Well, the first one, so this this last season so far, oh my god, <laughs> it's got of course it's got Jensen Ackles in it, but you already know that, yeah. But another bit of entertainment news is also from the comic book world. This is from IGN.com. Radiant Black. Will Friedel voices image comics superhero in animated short verses. As far as comic book Easter eggs go, this one is hard to top. Fans of image comics series Radiant Black were given a very special treat in issue number 15 of the Explosive Superhero series. A hidden QR code leads readers to the ultimate Easter egg, a fully animated short film called Versus. And it looks like, because there's a a video attached here, it's five minutes and 25 seconds. And I know nothing about Radiant Black, and I have not had time to actually watch this. So I'm going to keep this article up on my computer and go back to it so that I can actually watch this five-minute short. But... You know, it's superhero. I know nothing about them, about Radiant Black. So I want to find out something. And Yeah. But Will Friedel was a voice in Batman Beyond, which was a really good animated series. So. And he looks kind of cool, too. But. From there, we'll move on to an article from Variety. RWBY to cross over with Justice League, an upcoming feature film from Rooster Teeth and Warner Brothers. Now, I don't really know much about RWBY, so I really don't know whether to be excited or not for that aspect, but it's Justice League, so you know I'm going to watch it. It says, the the announcement was made on Friday during RTX Austin, a convention hosted by digital media company Rooster Teeth. During a panel for RWBY, the cast and crew, including writers and directors Carrie Shawcross and Eddie Rivas, supervising producer Lori Yates and voice actors Lindsay Jones, Barbara Dunkelman, Aaron Zeck, and Kara Eberl, dropped the news for the upcoming film along with other announcements. The crossover will be the first film set in the RWBY universe and will be animated by the same team as the web series. The film will be produced by Rooster Teeth in partnership with Warner Brothers. Uh, it says, The series comes after last year's RWBYX Justice League comic book miniseries, which was written by Marguerite Bennett and with art from An- Anique, Stephanie Pepper, and Emanuela Lupacino. And it says, First created in 2013 by Ma- Monty Alm, RWBY is set in the world of Remnant, where warriors called Huntsmen and Huntresses protect the world from monsters known as Grimm. The story follows four young women, Ruby, Weiss, Blake, and Yang, which would be the RWBY, training to become Huntresses at the Beacon Academy. The series is produced by Rooster Teeth Animation with Shawcross, Matt Hill, Hullum, and 
Bernie Burns executive producing. So this follows in the footsteps of Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie they did, which and honestly I never did watch because I'm just not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. I've been able to get into. I'm going to put you on hold there for a second. Batman and the Ninja Turtles did a movie together? Yep. I believe it is on HBO Max. It's an animated movie. I'll safe to say I'll never see that. But I did watch the Batman Soul of the Dragon and I was not thrilled with it. It was kind of a 70s superhero black exploitation type characters and I, I wasn't overly impressed with it. They did uh, Batman's Samurai Tale. I can't remember what it was actually called but it just did nothing for me so I didn't watch it but this one obviously it's going to be anime because you can look at the picture in the article and tell that RWBY is an anime and I don't know if I'm going to like it or not because I'm not a big anime fan just for the, the way the drawings are I don't really care for them but the the Justice League is going to pull me in so I will give it a chance yeah I don't like anime either I just I just don't like it so that'll be all you yeah, I will give it a chance. I don't know how good it's going to be, but I will give it a chance. And not all of Warner Brothers DC animated films have been winners, but there have been some really good ones along the way. And both Wonder Woman films, I've really enjoyed. Justice Society World War II, I really enjoyed. Did you watch Justice Society World War II? Was that an animated film? Yes. No. That one I would recommend watching. It's the one article I saw said that it was like a a pilot for an animated series, but they they ended up making it a movie instead of a series. But I would have loved to get that animated series because one did that- set in World War Two, two Wonder Woman is a lead character in it. When did that come come out? Uh, a year or two ago. It's not real long. I mean, it's, and I've, I'm positive I've got it on Vudu, and I know it's on HBO Max. So, I would, I would highly suggest giving that a watch. But the Flash goes back in time and ends up in World War Two with the Justice okay. Society of America. Cool. And now, I don't know if you'll be as excited about this one as I am, but I am very excited for this next one. ScreenRant.com, Ultraman and Avengers unite as Marvel Universe faces historic kaiju invasion. So Marvel has been publishing Ultraman comics. Now the Marvel superheroes are going to cross over with Ultraman in the comics. Oh, I'm going to say like in a show or something? It'll have been like epic. It'll be like, no. oh God, Ultraman. But I would love to see this made into an animated movie or even a live-action series. I don't really foresee a live-action series being done. But if we can get an animated movie based on this story, I would be very happy. I'd love to see something like The Avengers with Ultraman. You know how cool that would be. 
Well, that's what this is, but it's a comic book. I'm talking about in a movie. Because the picture shows Ultraman and some of the other Ultras in the background, and then Iron Man and Captain Marvel in the front. And it looks like Iron Man is shooting his chest beam at a kaiju. Now, um, Ultraman, I didn't know he was a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And and it is Ultraman is or Iron Man is shooting a beam at the kaiju, and then because there's a full picture as you scroll down, and then Spider Man is swinging through there too. See, it's like you know, Ultraman shoots his beams like this. He does. He crosses his arms and then. Yeah. So. And he's kind of thin and alien looking with that silver outfit on with those bug eyes. But that's really all the, the big entertainment news I've got this week. I do have one story that's unfortunate from, I mean, nobody died, nobody was injured, but this is from Deadline. The Muppets Mayhem crew involved in accident during filming of Disney Plus series. And they're saying that it's probably due to the long work hours, but the truck <clears throat> The from the crew apparently hit a tree while they were working on the show. And it said the accident happened around 11.30 p.m. Well, that's late at night. Yeah, but I, they've been working very long hours for weeks. So the article is making you assume that it was sleep deprivation or something to be fatigue or something so but i'm glad everybody's okay and nobody got seriously injured so that's the big thing but still sad to hear of any kind of bad news with the muppets well it sounds like to me disney's putting all these unrealistic expectations on all these people well they just need to chill out and don't blame disney blame the whole industry well, and then blame the consumers of the industry. Well, because how many people are desperate for the next season of stranger things that hadn't even filmed yet to my knowledge. And they want it now after season four. Yep. How are they keeping all these kids from aging? They're not. They, they've gone a few years and then the next one's going to be a time jump, but they didn't say to what. And let me tell you, after that finale, they've got so much set up that I don't know how they can time jump unless they're just going to recap the story of what's happened in all that time. Because it's a huge cliffhanger at the end of it. And I'm telling you, you you need to get on it because such a good show. Cannot say enough how much I love that show. Is it anything compared to like Supernatural? It's way better than Supernatural. And oh, you gotta be kidding me! These are geek kids that play Dungeons and Dragons. And they're dealing with the upside down. 
and the upside down is basically the town of Hawkins, but flipped over. And the one boy wheel in the first season gets into the upside down and they can't find it. So it's like a uh, a multiverse. It's a dimension within our own, basically. Yeah. It's not a multiverse situation. It's just basically it's the same but different. And it's, when, when you see it, you'll understand. They, and they don't really explain the underground until the end of season four. You know okay. it exists. You get all the monsters, but you don't know the origin until the end of season four. But it's it's very good. Like I don't know anybody who's watched it and didn't like it. <clears throat> but with that, we are to the unfortunate part. And like I said, there were several this week that we've lost, and even some that. Because there's some that I didn't know and I put on here. There's several more that I did not include just because it was getting way too much. But first up, from Deadline on MSN, Nick Nemiroff dies. Canadian comedian was 32. No cause of death has been given. Wow, that's young. And, And unfortunately... Comedians, like stand-up comedians, seem to have a lot of tragedy in their life and tend to deal with depression a lot. So that might be, and I'm just speculating here, and I don't want to assume anything about it, but regardless, it is a very tragic loss. And it does say funeral services have yet to be set. The family has asked that in lieu of flowers, quote, donations in his memory be made to the Planned Parenthood chapter of your choice. So at least they're giving his death meaning regardless of what the reason was, getting his fans to donate to a very worthy cause, especially since the horrible Supreme Court ruling. And that's probably what prompted this decision to donate to the Planned Parenthood. But Yeah, 32 is just way too young. Next up from Deadline, revolutionary British theater director Peter Brook dies in France aged 97. And it says, he revolutionized 20th century theater. The director who pioneered taking theater outside of traditional theater houses, mounting productions in unexpected venues such as gymnasiums, abandoned factories, and old gas works was renowned for his experimental and out-of-the-box approach to staging classic and new works alike. So you have to wonder, would we have gotten high school plays if he hadn't thought to put them in gyms? Yeah. But it's also taking stuff like this and putting them into, as it says, the gas works and factories and gymnasiums that are no longer being used, you're giving that building a purpose again. So not only are you getting the community out, but you're helping out the business that's no longer there. 
So whoever the landlord is, they're able to make some money on their building that's just sitting there empty. And that in turn helps everybody. But I'm not seeing a cause of death for him, but being that he was 97, I am sure it was natural causes. Next up, and this one was like reading this one honestly brought a tear to my eye and I'd never heard of the guy before. It's from People Magazine, people.com. Popular Minecraft YouTuber Technoblade dead at 23 following cancer diagnosis. Yeah, and, I saw that he's a creator of Minecraft. Yeah, it was, uh, he basically did videos of him playing the game is the way I understood it. And was very popular. Had in a video posted for his 11 million YouTube subscribers on Thursday, Technoblade's parents announced his passing with a touching tribute. His father reading a message from the YouTuber himself, and the message is what brought tears to my eyes. It says, "Hello, everyone. Technoblade here. If you are watching this, I am dead. So let's sit down and have one final chat. Sorry for selling out so much in the past year, but thanks to everyone that bought hoodies, plushies, and channel memberships." My siblings are going to college. Well, if they want to, I don't want to put any dead brother peer pressure on them. And just the, the thought of the father reading this note. It says the YouTuber's note concluded with a message of appreciation to his millions of fans. That's all for me. Thank you all for supporting my content over the years, he wrote. If I had another 100 lives, I think I would choose to be Technoblade again every single time as those were the happiest years of my life. His final words to his fans wish them out all a happy life. Quote, I hope you guys enjoyed my content and that I made some of you laugh. And I hope you all go on to live long, prosperous lives because I love you guys. Technoblade out. Did they say anything what happened, Chris? I believe he was battling cancer. Let me see. Trying to find it in the article, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it said Technoblade first shared his diagnosis in August 2021, explaining to his fans that he initially thought the pain he was feeling was from a quote repetitive stress injury. After his arm became swollen, he went to hospital and was subsequently diagnosed with cancer. The BBC reported. So. And he is so young. Yep. But to, to imagine knowing that you're going to die and writing that note, and then to imagine the father reading that note while he's still grieving, that's when you really put it in that perspective, it gets really powerful and sad. With him being a YouTube blogger, it seems like he would have done a YouTube video saying, if, you, or you, if you're now seeing this, you're, I'm dead. Well, I don't know if he was able to, because I don't know when the, the the note was written, and I don't know if he was physically able to film. And also at that point, do you really want to be remembered that way compared to when you were healthy or somewhat healthy? Yeah. So that's that's the issues there. But next up, this one's from NPR. Hell's Angels figurehead Sonny Barger dies at 83. 
Sonny Barger, the leather-clad figurehead of the notorious Hells Angels Motorcycle Club, has died. He was 83. Barger's death was announced late was announced on his Facebook page late Wednesday. If you are reading this message, you'll know that I'm gone. I've asked that this note be posted immediately after my passing, a posting, a posting said. I've lived a long and good life filled with adventure, and I've had the privilege to be part of an amazing club. The post said that, quote, I passed peacefully after a brief battle with cancer. So here's another, just right back to back, stories of people writing their own death notes, and both of them from cancer. I have um, something to say along those lines. Apple's new update for the iOS 16 that's coming out this fall is going to have a legacy access built into Siri. Us Apple users who has an Apple iPhone or whatever will have a legacy icon on the screen of the phone where whoever it is has the iPhone because it's either facial recognition or a code to get inside the phone or you're going to have a legacy code. The legacy code could be set up by me for someone like a close and personal friend to be able to get inside my iPhone to either get into erase it or to set up what, you know, get inside. Because once you're inside an iPhone, you automatically are signed into any kind of app like Facebook, Instagram, you're automatically signed into all that stuff. So, um, I already screenshot that application that's going to be available and I sent it over to my close friends. And I said, if anything happens to me, you're my legacy contact. I said, please know that. And I said, this is what I want you to do. Whenever I die, after the funeral is over with, I want you to post on Facebook, say, in my name, post on for Paul Wellman, say, I want to thank everyone for coming out to my funeral today. Thank you. <laughs> And I want you to send out text messages to everyone going, oh, my God, you look so great. Thank you for coming, you know. <laughs> That's morbid and wrong. Now, listen, listen. And I want my, I want him to keep on with my good morning messages every morning. Hey, good morning, y'all. Have a good day, blah, 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 you know. Or, and I want you to continuously check me into Charleston, South Carolina. And I have such a ton, I have a tons of photos of like selfies of me that I've never posted and all that other stuff in different places. And I said, I want you to throw up a selfie of me in down in downtown Charleston. And I said, I have a selfie folder of downtown Charleston. Grab one of those selfies and put it up and show me in downtown Charleston. Say, Paul Wellman is in downtown Charleston now. And everyone's going to go, I thought he died. He's in downtown Charleston posting selfies. <laughs> well, what you need to do is get that that glowing aura around you in those pictures before they get posted too. <coughs> I'll have some kind of aura behind me. <laughs> like, you know, like the, the Jedi's have that glowing aura around them or any ghost yeah. has that glowing aura. That's what you need. So yeah, he's going to continue to check me in at the Cheesecake Factory, you know, at Hickory Park or like I'm working or, you know, he's just going to continue my legacy, checking me in and and uh, updating my status on Instagram and on Facebook just like I've never died. Anyway, back to those that we lost. What's wrong with that, Chris? It's just morbid. But anyway, back to those that we lost. This one's from Variety. 
Mona Hammond East Ender Star dies at 91. Uh, no cause of death has been given, but again, 91 most likely norm, uh, natural causes. It says the actor was of Chinese and Jamaican heritage, according to The Guardian, changing her name from Mavis Chin to Mona Hammond to avoid typecasting. Hammond was born in Jamaica and moved to Britain in 1959, working in an office while attending evening acting classes. Before long, she had won a scholarship to leading British acting college, RADA. She graduated in 1964 and was soon gracing the boards in theaters across the country. She also appeared in 70 roles on screen, including in comedies The Crouches and Us Girls, as well as playing Auntie Suzu in sitcom Desmond's, which ran from 1989 to 1994, and soaps such as Coronation Street, Hobie City, and Doctors. In 2005, she appeared in the film Kinky Boots, alongside Chiwetel Ejiofor, Joel Edgerton, and Sarah Jane Potts. And you know, I've still not seen Kinky Boots, the movie, but I have seen, because I bought the, the stage version, which I didn't realize it was the stage version when I bought it. But yeah. the Kinky Boots, the musical, I've, I've bought and seen, but I have not seen the original Kinky Boots movie. So. Now, Kinky Boots is coming to um, Hickory Community Theater this next season. Well, the, the one that I watched, I really enjoyed. And next up, this is from the New York Times. Margaret Keene, painter of sad-eyed waifs, dies at 94. Margaret Keene, the artist whose doleful saucer-eyed waifs earned millions in, in, in an international keech craze a half-century ago and who inspired an epic art fraud by a husband whose claims to have ex ex executed her work were demolished in a, quote, paint-off in court, died on Sunday at her home in Napa, California. She was 94. Her daughter, Jane Swigert, says the cause was heart failure. And let me see if I can find it on here. Here we go. The extraordinary story of Mrs. King, who became a Jehovah's Witness and in recent years continued to paint and sell her work at auctions and at her Keen Eyes Gallery in San Francisco, has been retold in books, magazines, and on the Internet in a resurgence of interest sparked by the Tim Burton film Big Eyes, released in 2014 with Amy Adams as Miss Keen and Christoph Waltz as her husband. So if you would like to see the story of, of Margaret King, you can watch the film Big Eyes from Tim Burton, but I'm not sure where it's... Let's see if I can find where it's running, if anywhere. It is on Netflix. So if you would like to see her story... Big Eyes is available on Netflix currently. Next up, this one's from TVInsider.com. Joe Turkle, Blade Runner and The Shining Actor, dies at 94. Veteran character actor Joe Turkle, best known for playing the ghostly bartender Lloyd in The Shining and Dr. Eldon Tyrell in Blade Runner, has died. He was 94. According to Deadline, Turkle passed away on Monday, June 27th, St. John's Hospital. He was said to have died peacefully with his sons, Craig and Robert, by his side. Uh, television works that he did included The Life the life and Legend of Wyatt Earp, as well as Bonanza, Frontier Doctor, Kojak, The Lone Ranger, SWAT, The Andy Griffith Show, The Untouchables, Dragnet, 
and Miami Vice. So you may not recognize the name, but I'm sure you've seen something that he's been. Oh, yeah. And then finally, another name that you won't recognize, but you definitely know the work. This is from the Hollywood Reporter, and I apologize for the name because I do not know how to pronounce it. Gregory John, Star Trek, I'm Oscar nominee, yeah. dies at 76. Claimed model maker and artist who worked on eight Star Trek properties and earned Oscar nominations for Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind and 1941 has died. He was 76. John died May 22nd in his Los Angeles home of cardiac arrest after a long history of health issues that included a battle with diabetes, a family spokeswoman told The Hollywood Reporter. His family elected to keep his death quiet until this week, she added, which I have no issues with that. The family wants time to grieve and mourn by themselves and respect should be paid when somebody does pass away and you give the family time to grieve. Do you remember that one time we did some deaths, Chris, where one star had died, but they waited. The publicists had to wait a year to let them know that the public know that they did die. I'm I'm thinking that might have been Vera from Alice. Yeah, for some reason they did not want no one to know that she died until after a year to the day where she died. And again, that sometimes it is the the wishes of the deceased to not be told, but you also have to think at the time of of the death of a loved one, you don't want everybody and their brother coming up to you because when my parents died, I know people meant well by it, but it really didn't help for people to come up to me and say, sorry for your loss. That's one of the worst things you can say to somebody, but there's nothing else you can say. I try, whenever I go to a funeral, when I do go to a funeral, I try not to say that. I try to come up with some other phrase. But I refuse to say, I'm sorry for your loss, because that sounds like you're really not sorry for the loss. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It sounds sounds so generic. Well, it's thoughts and prayers. I mean, it's... Well, well, the last one I went to was um, one of my old coworkers. He passed away. And as I went through the line, I went, because I remember the fun times when I worked with him. I said, hey, I remember when blah, 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 and you know, you and I got together and went out to eat and we all went out to eat and I started bringing up memories. I didn't say I was sorry for your loss, so I did do that. And see, sometimes that's the best thing to do is talk about the good times that the person had. And quite honestly, having dealt with both parents passing, I know from personal experience for me, the best way to get through it is to get back to your everyday life, but you have to take that time before you get back to your everyday life as well. Oh, it will take time. Yeah. And like when my mom passed, I was out of work for two weeks and went back to work and it took a couple of days, but I got back into the flow of things. And, and of course in my job, I did not want any of the patients to know what had happened. I didn't want to deal with that every day. And being secluded like that, it also helps because you can't really have people coming up to you 
saying something about the loss. So it just it made it easier to get back to work where I could put it out of my mind while I was there and focus yeah. on the job. And it was the same with, with dad when he passed. I was a cashier at the local discount store and going back to work. But the worst saying was one of the employees came up to me while I'm reining up a customer, taps me on the shoulder and said, sorry for your loss and walked on. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't ever do yeah. that. Anybody. If they're in no. the middle of something, especially in a working environment and having to focus, especially dealing with the public, don't make them remember that they've lost somebody. That is the worst thing you can do. That's why I'm saying it's, that is the worst thing to say. And there's really yeah. not anything easy to say in that situation. And I understand why people say it, but don't say that, especially when they're in the middle of doing something. But with that, we are at the end of the first half. We will be back. We'll be reviewing my choice of the bad guys, which is currently on Peacock. And Paul picked Shit's Creek because he's way behind the times on that one, too, and decided to watch it, which is on Netflix. Stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back, everyone. First up, let's go to Box Office Mojo for the top 10 films of the weekend. And again, we had a holiday weekend, so I'm going to go with a three-day weekend as opposed to including July 4th, Monday holiday, because they don't give the previous week's placement. First up at number 10, down from 7, Jug Jug Geo, which I have no clue anything about. After two weeks, it's made just over a million. Down from 6 to 9 is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness after nine weeks, over $410.5 million. Holding at eight is Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is now available to purchase and rent on digital. Got in another half million in its 15th weekend for $67 million total. Debuting at number seven, Mr. Malcolm's List, $810,742. Down from five to six is Lightyear with almost six and a half million in its third weekend for about a hundred five and a quarter million dollars. Down from four to five is The Black Phone with almost twelve and a quarter million in its second weekend for almost forty seven and a half million dollars total. Down from three to four, Jurassic World Dominion, sixteen million three hundred sixty eight thousand three hundred eighty dollars in its fourth weekend. Over $332.5 million total. Down from one to three is Elvis, $18.5 million on the second weekend, $66,772,623 total. Holding at two is Top Gun Maverick, which just does not want to go away. Almost $26 million in its sixth weekend, $564,362,559. And debuting at number one with the three-day total, not four-day, of $107,010,140 is Minions, The Rise of Gru. Oh, shit. Are you serious? One Despicable Me movie, no Minions movies, 
but they are immensely popular and this one proves it over a hundred million in its opening weekend and the the grand total for the four-day weekend because i've got that chart pulled up to 123 million eighty seven thousand two hundred and forty dollars so it brought in another 16 million on the july 4th holiday wow i've so, never seen any of the minion movies either i don't I don't really have any desire to see them. I'm not a Steve Carell fan, which is part of it. But did you say you wanted to review Jurassic World Dominion? Yeah, I can't pull up anything. Well, I've got the the other guys, and then I'll let you talk about it because honestly, I won't want to watch it, and you know that. But Metacritic has it at 38%. Rotten Tomatoes has it. 30% 30% after 372 reviews. The audience score was over 10,000 verified ratings, 77%. And IMDb has it at 5.9 out of 10 with over 69,000. Paul, you wanted to do it, so take it away. This is the movie to end the trilogy of the Jurassic World um, trilogy. Um, they brought back the original characters from Jurassic Park. Um, uh, I can't think of the na- name of the characters right now, but uh, Ellie, Doctor, Doctor Grant, or not Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum was Ian Malcolm. Yeah, Ian Malcolm brought him back. Watts, B.D. Wong was Doctor Henry Wu, Campbell Scott, Lewis Dodgson. Which you know, I actually just rewatched Singles last night with Campbell Scott. Just coincidentally enough. Did you? Winky Dinky. So they yeah, they brought Claire Deering and Chris Pratt as Owen Grady as well. Yeah, they brought all the star power back for this movie. Um, it's a story of the, the dinosaurs actually living amongst us. You know, from Velociraptors to Bronchiosaurs to Brachiosaurs to you know the super predators and things like that, and how they're affecting day to day life. And um, in the midst, there's this one company that has created a super locust. It is a prehistoric locust that was around, you know, 100 million years ago and um, or billions of years, whichever one. And it's a super predator of, I mean, nothing can stand in its way. That's these giant grasshoppers. So it ends up being a story of trying to shut down that company who created the giant grasshoppers that has no natural predators to them and um, in the process of fighting off all these dinosaurs going about it. Um, This was not my favorite Jurassic World or Jurassic Park movie. It just wasn't. Well, judged by the reviews, it wasn't anybody else's either. Well, I mean, it had its ups. I mean, it really did have some really cool moments, like the Velociraptors was chasing Owen one time through the streets of some city, like in Italy. I don't know. It looked like they was in Italy, but I don't think they were. But he was riding a motorcycle, and they was chasing him. Um, Velociraptors was, and it, you know, it, it had its moments, you know, where Anyways, it was just 
I had such, I don't know if uh, it was because I had such high hopes for it that I wanted it to be so good. And I had these preconceived notions about it since, you know, brought back all the powers of Jurassic Park to be in this movie. Um, <clears throat> but it just didn't hit right with me. And I hate to say that because I'm a huge Jurassic World and Jurassic Park fan. I, I am. But honestly, it did not hit right with me. It just didn't. It seems like they were just grasping straws to pull some kind of story together to make it good with dinosaurs and good with people. And it just didn't hit the mark. I wish that that had changed the whole premise of the movie. Well, at the end of the movie, there's this it's place in Montana. It's not Jurassic called, Park anymore. Well, well, what they're saying is, what, what at the end of the movie, just spoiler alert, as if you're probably, you know, half the nation's probably ever seen it. But um, there's an area in Montana where they're, they're just, it's a whole valley of these, the mountains is that, and it's going to be, it was dedicated just for the dinosaurs to live in. And that's where most of them is located. But then they have just sporadic dinosaurs living out in the wild. But the higher concentration of them was in that valley in Montana. So that's kind of where they left it. I almost kind of wished that they had some kind of genetic deficiency where they'd have kicked it in, or Dr. Wu would have kicked it in and killed all the animals. And because at the very end, he was getting together. I don't know if you remember from Jurassic Park, they had that shaving cream can where they were stealing embryos and putting it inside the shaving cream can. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, Dr. Wu had another shaving cream can towards the end of the movie. And it looked like he was trying to do that, but the shaving cream can got crushed or something to that effect in the movie. And anyway, I just don't think it ended right. I don't think they had the story of it right. In some parts, it was boring. Some parts, it was damn good. It just, um, it just didn't feel right. Well, glancing through the the trivia on IMDb, the only two things that I really saw jumped out at me were Jeff Goldblum is the same age in this film that Richard Attenborough was in Jurassic Park in 1993, and then because it's Campbell Scott, veteran character Cam, veteran character actor Campbell Scott has joined the cast of Jurassic World Dominion as a key character from the original Jurassic Park. Collider has exclusively learned. Sources say that Scott will play Lewis Dodgson, the mysterious man in the red shirt and sunglasses who provided Wayne Knight's Dennis Nedry with a fake can of Barbasol shaving cream to store the stolen dinosaur embryos. In Michael Crichton's original Jurassic novel, Dr. Lewis Dodgson was the head of a product of product development at genetics company Biosyn, arrival of Engine. Biosyn is not mentioned in Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park, which finds actor Cameron Thor playing Dodgson. Thor is now a convicted convicted sex offender, which is why the role has been recast. Dodgson also played a large part in Crichton's sequel, The Lost World, though the character did not appear in Spielberg's 1997 movie. In Jurassic World Dominion, Dodgson has been promoted to CEO of Biosyn Genetics. Yeah, they brought back his character. And 
I don't know if you're familiar with Campbell Scott, but he was in the movie Dying Young with Julia Roberts. He was in uh, Singles, which, like I said, I watched last night. But he is the son of Colleen Dewhurst and George C. Scott. I didn't know that. Yes. So, And unlike Nicolas Cage, whose nepotism got him hired, Campbell Scott can actually act. Speaking of, I saw where Nicholas Cage is coming out with another new movie. Surprise. Yeah. I have no he's, desire. He's becoming the whore of movies, by the way. So, well, It was Bruce Willis until he got sick. And I guess Nicholas Cage is going to try and fill in that spot, releasing so many bad movies every year. Well, Nicholas <laughs> Cage has got. I don't know if you kept up with him, but he's got like millions in debt. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to land as many roles as he can to pay off that millions in debt. But did you have a rating for Jurassic World or no? I give it a two. So and like and like I said, I was hopeful of it and I really wanted to like it. I really, really did. But it it was just it was just hard. Whoever wrote the story of this movie really needs to go back and go like, what the fuck was I thinking? I could have wrote a better story ending to the Jurassic World thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a writer, so who 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 am I? I I just it just didn't hit right. But did they do the thing where they have the dinosaurs created and then the dinosaurs run amok and start killing people and then they have to stop the dinosaurs in the end of the movie? Well, they they did have two Easter eggs in it, and I caught on to it. You know how um, Dr. Grant, you know, they had him wearing a brown hat very similar to Indiana Jones in the movie? And at one point, the dinosaurs is chasing them and him and Ellie and this other actor, anyway, he, his hat drops, and he and it shows him like glance back for his hat, and Ellie says, "Leave the damn hat!" And they see, you know, the doors are coming shut and what have you, and all you just like in Indiana Jones, all you see is an arm reaching through and grabbing the hat, and right before those dinosaurs grab his arm, he pulls that hat back, and that was kind of like an homage to Indiana Jones. And also there was another little Easter egg in it where, um, do you remember Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park, the part one where his leg or something is damaged and uh, he's laying on top of the table with his, he's laying back like this and he has his shirt, is unbuttoned, showing his chest and everything like that. And he's like looking all trying to be sexy and everything like that. Well, he is then again with his shirt unbuttoned at one point in another pose like that. And all of a sudden, during that part, he looks up and he kind of looks around like this. And he just went like this. He kind of shook his head and went, nope, like that. And he starts buttoning his shirt. <laughs> I caught that. Those are two little parts that I caught in that movie. And I thought, yep. That was a throwback to Indiana Jones, and the other one was him making fun of himself from Jurassic Park 1. So I did catch that. And I noticed how Paul completely glanced over the part where I was pointing out that it's the same movie every single time. 
They make the dinosaurs. Well, the I mean, dinosaurs, dinosaurs run amok and get loose. Dinosaurs start killing people. They have to stop well, these, the dinosaurs. Well, all these dinosaurs are already loose to begin with. I mean, they're loose to begin with. So they're just continuing the same story. Yeah, they just don't have walls. So, anyways, like I said, to we can go on to the next one. Whatever you want to do. I was gonna go to the bad guys next because. I'm, I'm going to rave on Shit's Creek, which I think everybody out there is expecting. So we'll go to the bad guys and and go through it. First up, Metacritic has it at 64%. IMDb has it at 6.9 out of 10 with 25,000 reviews. The Rotten Tomatoes has 88% after 163 reviews on the tomato meter. After 2,500 plus verified ratings on the audience score, 93%. Basically, this is the tale of the what essentially is the fairy tale villains. You got the the big bad wolf and the shark and the snake and the piranha and the tarantula, and they're on a crime spree. And they end up just to, to sum up the movie without giving everything away, they get caught and was it a doctor or professor or something? He's a really rich guy. Ended up was going to recondition them to be good. So the bad guys would become the good guys. And that's where the story really takes off from. And there's a lot of funny parts in it. The animation is oh, really good. Hilarious. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. It wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Like the previews made it look like it was going to be a lot funnier, but I was not upset with it, and I enjoyed it. Paul, what you got to say about it? I enjoyed it. There was um, a lot of um, adult innuendos in this where kids would not catch on. Catch on. One of them that stuck out in my head while I was watching it. You know when they got sent to prison on that prison island out there and it's going towards it and on the side of the smokestack on the island, did you see the letters that was on there? Did you pay attention? I don't think so. The letters was S-U-C-M and it's S dot U-C dot M and I was like, oh my god, it says suck them. <laughs> I don't think that's what it was intending. Oh my god, it did. And it said suck them. And I was like, oh god, here we go. The adult humor's in it. And um, another one is like, um, the snake asked the, asked the wolf, and goes, hey, how's it hanging? Just like that. But he was upside down, hanging upside down, um, needed to be rescued. There was some other adult humor in it that, got, that I got caught on, that I caught on to it. It's like, it was some laughable moments in it. It was, it was a cute film. It was one of those where there was a lot of it going. There was a lot of stuff going on in it. And you had to really pay attention because if you didn't, you were going to be lost because there was a lot of car chase. There was a lot of super, the super animated effects in this movie was phenomenal. And I, Chris knows, I don't like animated movies, but this one here was knocking it out of the ballpark left and right with all the special effects in the movie, with all that's going on. It was um, it was actually phenomenal. And, you know, from the changing of the gears to showing how 
there was pushing in the clutch to change the gears on the car, showing the feet, pushing the clutch, and you know, jabbing down on the gas to get it to go, and changing the gears and stuff inside the car. That it was actually pretty sweet. I liked it. Uh, so um, anyway, it was um, cute. The, the voice cast on this pretty good cast here. You got Sam Rockwell as Wolf. You got Craig Robinson as Shark. And the only issue that I had with that, and Shark was great, but it's kind of riding the heels of King Shark on Harley Quinn, the animated series, who is voiced by Ron Funches. Yeah. King Shark is just so... I mean, it's adult humor, so he has more leeway, but he is so outlandish and outrageous, and I love him. And Shark was easily my favorite character in this one, but he was he was the toned down version of King Shark was the problem. And Aquafina was Tarantula, Anthony Ramos was Piranha, and I don't know how to say his name. So Richard Ayodi was Professor Marmalade, Zazie Beats was Diane Foxington, but most significantly is. Alex Borstein was police chief Misty Luggins, or that's Luggin dot dot dot. But many of you may not know her name, but you know her work. She's Lois Griffin on Family Guy. Really? Really. I love Alex Borstein. But, yeah, I mean, it's. There's not a lot you can say without giving too much away, and it is a kid's movie. is intended for kids, so the plot's not extremely... Like, Paul thinks you have to watch every minute of it. I disagree with him on that. I think you could tone out for a little bit, and you'd still get on everything. It's very visually appealing, constantly. So, that's what I was meaning by that. Which, speaking of car chases just completely off the topic, but because it popped into my head, did you, I tried to watch channel nine news today at noon for a freaking hour. They were showing a car chase. that wasn't a car chase. Like it was something happened where they were after a truck and the truck had the back wheel had burned off and it was riding the rim and they pulled into a Walmart parking lot where they stole a DoorDash worker's car and let the truck go. The truck rolled forward into another vehicle and looked like it sideswiped the back of another vehicle that was parked there in the pickup zone. And they took her vehicle and went on this wild run. And they finally lost the helicopter's in Charlotte city limits when they got behind the buildings and they went some way and the helicopters couldn't find them anymore. And I've tried watching the entire nine, nine news at noon. And I gave up at like a quarter till one. Cause that's all they were showing was that. So what gets me is they lost them then. Yep. And I haven't the gone to lost the assailant. Wow. Let me let me go to channel nine and see what they have on the website. High speed tra- 
chase through Charlotte area ends in crash at busy intersection. And this guy was literally driving the sidewalks and going through parking lots. And at one point, he started spinning donuts in the road, like just driving circles, not really spinning tires or anything. But that was in, like, he got over into the other side of the road into oncoming traffic and just started, he drove like two or three circles and got back onto the lane he was in and kept on going. Did they say they caught him? It says high-speed chase through Charlotte area ends in crash at busy intersection, but it's just video, so I'm not playing it. But it's right at the start of the... I wonder if I click on it, if it has any writing in the article. Yeah. Chopper 9 Skyzeam followed a two-hour high-speed police chase Wednesday where a man drove recklessly through the Carolinas hitting two other drivers. Authorities said the man also stole four vehicles during the pursuit. Damn. So, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department's helicopter initially began following a vehicle after a break-in was reported just after 11 a.m. Authorities said a Jeep was stolen. Chopper 9 then spotted a white-colored pickup truck. That's the one that I saw where the tire blew out. The police was said was also stolen. And then where the driver jumped out and stole a gold-colored car in the parking lot of Walmart, he left a woman in the pickup truck behind, which she got out of the pickup truck after it had hit the other car, and he stopped there, and she looked like she was yelling at him because it was helicopter camera that you were getting from. Yeah. But I'm trying to see if there's a picture of the actual crash. Because there's all kinds of video of the the car driving all over the place. Yeah, it ended up looks like two SUVs and everything he stole had a sunroof in it, it looks like. So I don't know. But anyways, so they didn't catch him. Yeah, because he crashed. Which was going to happen because he was driving into the wrong lane and to oncoming traffic and going through red lights and getting almost on the sounds like a, Almost sounds like a Burt Reynolds movie. At one point, he stopped on the interstate and then backed up into the on-ramp, turned around on the on-ramp, and drove the wrong way off the interstate on the on-ramp. Wow. That's crazy. But yeah, so that was, I didn't get to see any news today at noon because of that. Because that's all they were showing. But anyways, back to this, like I said, there's, there's not a lot you can say about the bad guys without giving it all away because, like I said, it is going to be a simple film for children. And again, Paul having a hard time following it. So we'll just leave it at that. But, but anyways, I it's it shows a budget was $70 million according to IMDb. The opening weekend was $23,950,245. U.S. and Canada, 96 million. Ninety-six million ninety-four thousand four hundred forty-five, with a worldwide gross of two hundred and forty-four million four hundred ninety-four thousand four hundred forty-five dollars. So it definitely made more than its share of money. Well, I'm glad it at least made its budget back. So, but 
with that, I'm going to go ahead and give it a rating. Like I said, I was expecting better, but it, there's a lot of humor in it, and it's a good story. Adults and children can enjoy it both. The I'm not going to say anything more about Shark other than he's the best character in the whole thing, but that's where the comedy was, right there. And I'm going to give it a three. What do you think, Paul? I want to agree with you. I'll give it a three as well. Okay. And with that, we will move on to Shit's Creek. Of course, it is currently on Netflix, but I think it's in October. I know it is moving, but I think it's in October. Netflix will no longer have Shit's Creek, and it will move to Hulu. So if you're wanting to see it on Netflix, now is the time to watch it. Rotten Tomatoes, the average tomato meter has it 93% with the audience score at 91%. IMDb, 8.5 out of 10 with 115,000 reviews. So, Paul picked this one, and I'm going to let him talk about it. Okay, I've been wanting to watch Shit's Creek for quite some time now. And basically a story about a rich people who got somebody stole their money their accountant uh, basically committed tax fraud and their accountant committed tax fraud and then the government came in and took everything they had and they had like 15 minutes to get out of this mega mansion with their personal effects to get out of there well and... you, you left out one key essential when when you said that it took everything they had it took everything they had of value but they found no value in the town of Shit's Creek, so they let See, them keep it. I was I was getting ready to come to that where okay. they they actually let them keep Shit's Creek for some reason, and we figured out what the reason was. What the reason was. So they ended up going to this town that they that the father had bought David as a gag gift for a birthday present. And and David's like, you actually bought me a town? Who does that? You bought me a town? And so anyway, they get there and it is this little bitty podunk town. And it is so backwards. And what's the mayor's name? What's it, What's the actor's name? Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott. Has Chris Elliott as the mayor of the town. And he is just nasty as it come. Uh the hotel is run down and it's uh and it just goes into the whole you know the whole, i just i love david and the sister i love their banter that they go back and forth with no shut up no you shut up no you sh- david shut up no you shut up it's going like that it's like and ooh, David, yeah. So it's it's hilarious. It really is. And um, what's her name? Mora. Moira. Uh, Moira, yeah. Moira. 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 Yes. Moira. I love her character. Oh my god, she's this eccentric, wig wearing. Just her her accent, the way she talks in it. She is just phenomenal actress in this movie, and she was known originally for her role in uh, 
and, and uh, Home Alone. As oh, the, uh, no. She was known before that. Well, I'm just talking about that's one of she her better known She was known for SCTV. Well, that's one of her better known roles because better known roles because everybody knows her as Kevin's mother in, in Home Alone. So, but um, it's hilarious. I, I highly suggest it. I watched the episode one, two, and three, and um, it's it's I love it. And it's and each episode is only like twenty two twenty two minutes long, so it's an easy watch for each one. And the only the only thing that I have complaint wise about the show is that the theme music is too loud. Like I didn't I don't really see I'm where I I use my AirPods watching it. And I don't know if it's Apple correcting the sound on my end, but it was perfect for me. Well, the Netflix, the credits, when I watch it, they're louder than the show, the opening and closing. And we have it. They they download the, the DVDs to a thing called Plex at work. And basically, you have to have a computer running with the, the stuff, but you can access anything that you have. And you can download your DVDs to a hard drive on Plex and then watch it anytime. So you can look up the details if you're interested. But the on there, even, the the sound was so much louder in the opening and credit and closing credits. And that's like my only argument of it against this thing. I knew before I watched it that I wanted to watch it. Because you have Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, both from SCTV, Chris Elliott from Late Night with David Letterman. I've loved them for decades now, like literally decades that I have loved these three people. And um, of course, Eugene Levy's two children are in it. One plays his son. The other one plays Twyla, who runs the, the local restaurant. I didn't know that. Yes, and Sarah Levy is Twyla on the show, and she <laughs> is so in David, the. David is his real son. Yes, can you not tell by looking at him? Well, I've not known that. I mean, I, I wouldn't put two and two together. Because his daughter doesn't look like him, but his son looks very much like him. Like but you can tell their father and son. Now that you said that, they do look alike. Yeah, and and Sarah Levy, if you don't know who she is and you haven't watched Sits Creek, if you see the credit card commercials, what's in your wallet? Where he shows up to her house at like 4 a.m. to crunch numbers on getting a new car. Yeah. That's his daughter in the commercial. His real-life daughter. Annie Murphy played Alexis Rose on Schitt's Creek and honestly I don't think Sarah Levy would have been anywhere near as good in the role like now that Annie Murphy's done it I can't see anybody else doing it she's phenomenal in that role and her character grows and changes all the characters grow and change so much through the series and with this one you know we talked about her on My Fake Boyfriend but Karen Robinson makes her first appearance in season one, episode three, which not to give anything away, but it's all over the town sign. And you 
cannot say a word about that town sign because it gives away all the comedy in there and it is hilarious so but and i mean over the six seasons you get so many great characters you meet much shit in these first episodes which is the son of roland and uh, jocelyn roland of course chris elliott the mayor of the town and jennifer robertson plays jocelyn his wife and Mutt is their son, played by Tim Rosan. And Dustin Mo- Dustin Milligan will come in soon. I can't remember what episode he comes into, but he's the local veterinarian. And he was the one in the Ghost Facers episode of Supernatural, since you like to bring up Supernatural so much. Oh, really? He, he's, in, yeah. he's one of the Ghost Facers? The, the guy who plays the veterinarian on Schitt's Creek was the gay character on Supernatural's episode Ghost Facers. I think it was season three. Yeah. And basically the one who saved the world because they said they found that gay love can transcend the plane and save us all. That was Dustin Milligan in that show. Cool. So there's a Supernatural tie. But of course it's a Canadian film show. It was produced for the CBC and aired in America on Pop TV, which I don't know if Pop is still Pop or if it has become something else. I, I can't keep track of the cable channels anymore. But, I mean, there's this show is pure joy and rewatchable and just, it's an easy watch too, like a really easy watch. And you can sit there and watch six episodes within two hours and still want more. So highly recommend it. Can't say enough good about it. I don't know if you have anything more you want to say, Paul. No, I really enjoyed it and I'm going to continue to enjoy it. I'm going to continue to watch it. Try to watch maybe two apps a week or so, two or three apps a week. And then um, maybe one day I don't have anything to do and no one's pulling me from, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. Maybe I can sit down and just like turn my phone off and lock the door and close the blinds and turn the phone off here into a house and I can binge watch the hell out of it. Let me tell you that I've seen the whole series, as I've said, and I know I'm not, I'm not going to give away anything, but the ending is fitting. It leaves you wanting more. They have a place to go, but it ends the series. And so if they do want to come back and revisit these characters in a movie or a new series or something, there is very strong possibility for that to happen. But you do get closure on everything. And the the ending is very much in line with everything else. The outrageousness stays. I mean, there's so much that you build up through the seasons on this show. No, it's, I'm, be, not, I'm not. I'm not giving any details. I'm just <clears throat> giving like the definition of a show, basically. <clears throat> and and unfortunately, Emmy did not find out about how great this show was until towards the end, when it swept the Emmys in a historic run. So, like. I think it won the most categories of any show, any comedy in history, or tied with was, it. That was back in 2019 or 20, wasn't it? It was after the pandemic, 
might have been 2021. I can't remember when the show ended. Let's see if it says on here. 2020. Show ended in 2020. So might have been the first of I guess it was September for the Emmys. So September of 2020 would have been the Emmys. But and there is a Christmas episode that they did along the way. So you do get the the one episode to watch every year if you cho- so choose. But yeah, I love the show. I'm going to go ahead and rate it. I'm giving it a four and a half out of five. I mean, it, it is a fantastic series. Fantastic actors. You love all the characters, even the really crummy characters you just love. And the show is just pure joy watching. I... um. I enjoy watching it. I'm kind of in the back of my head, and I know there's no way to com- to compare it, but I'm com- I, in in my way, it's kind of that same comedy of Will and Grace ish almost, but not like Will and Grace. The story of Will and Grace is totally separate. Um, but anyways, uh, I don't really want to give it a a, a great rating yet. So I mean. So far in my head, it's a four. And that's really good in my head. So, well, Like I said, you've only watched the first three episodes and you've not seen the growth of the characters or anything. I, I so, pretty much bet that when you get through the end, you'll, you will find that it does get better as it goes. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those rare occasions where the show starts off fantastic and never loses a step and actually improves and the the quality may not change at all, but it's just the fact that you start to get to know all the characters, and when the more you get to know about the characters, the more you get to love the characters, and the more you love the characters, the more you appreciate the show, and the more your enjoyment goes up. So, like I said, the quality may stay a flat line through the whole series, but the love for the show will grow because of each character. Yeah. So, but with that, I believe we are done. So I said I've already got mine picked out for next week. And I have chosen the Hulu original film that came out a few weeks ago. Good luck to you, Leo Grant. Um, When is the show next week? It'll be Monday. I'm going to be on vacation next week. Well, you can watch it. It's an hour and a half. I'm going to be gone. You can watch an hour and a half. It's a good movie. I watched it tonight. Spoiler. Chris, I'm not going to be here. Well, you're going to have to be. I'll be in Charleston, South Carolina. Well, you're going to have to find a way to be here. When will you be back? I'll be back Wednesday. See, I'm working Wednesday and Thursday, so that would put it Friday would be when I could record. Well, I can be, I can be Friday. Okay, so then we'll be late next week because of Paul. Paul got to take time off. Hey, I've never celebrated my 50th birthday. I'm doing it this, this next week. So Paul's old, by the way. You'll be there one day if you hope. <laughs> <laughs> I might make it there. There ain't no telling. <sighs> but but anyways, good. if you really want to think about it, considering I was not supposed to see 50 years old. So this is, in fact, is a miracle. So, 
I never threatened to kill you though. So so let's let's clear up this rumor right away before it even starts. So anyways. But good luck to you, Leo Grand is my pick from Hulu. And I picked it because it's Emma Thompson. So and what I saw of the previews, it looked really good. So I'm not gonna give any details yet. We'll wait until we talk about it. Okay. But and then Paul picks something last minute as always, because who knows what Paul wants to watch. We'll figure it out. But anyways, any last words, Paul? Well, the rise of COVID cases is still going up. Uh, we have three out at work right now with COVID. Um, they're really sick. Um, not looking good. Uh, they're saying that there's going to be a new Omicron variant coming up. And um, that's disturbing. Hearing I that. thought it was something like the, the variant to end all variants or something like that. I saw something to that effect. Well, anyway, be vigilant in your health, folks. Get vaccinated. And like I said, we had the outbreak at work not too long ago, so... Luckily, I did not regain it. I did not have any symptoms, did not test positive, nothing. And that was with wearing a paper mask at work. So on a unit with all the patients and about half of them ended up testing positive. My mask kept me from doing it. So... It is a serious issue still. And granted, it's not just a mask. I had COVID in 2020 before the vaccinations. I've had both doses and the booster. So, but the thing that made me mad at work was after those of us who did the right thing got it, they started offering gift cards to those who would get the booster shot. Oh, God. Whatever. don't don't bribe somebody to get it. They should do it because it's the right thing and what the medical experts are telling us to do. But and I, I don't think I'm eligible for the the second booster yet. So I have not gotten it because I'm not I'm fifty. A, right I'm eligible because uh, CVS sent me a text message. And you're old. You just hope to look this good when you reach my age. <laughs> Boy, where where's the one for for that? Let's see. That's people looking at Paul. Oh. Okay, listen, we gotta sign off. I gotta go to bed. Come on. Oh, uh, with that, we are out of here. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.